You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 976 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. Today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. On 2.6 cars, 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Today's podcast will focus on what became a pretty comfortable win for the Hawks uh, against Orlando at home. You know, it was it was not dominant in the way that you might think all the way across the board, but obviously they won by 16 points. That's always nice in the NBA, and the Hawks have now won 9 of their last 11 games overall and 10 of the last 12 at home, so they're playing quite well. I actually don't think the Hawks played all that well in this game, but they managed to take care of business is the way that I'm putting it, obviously in the headline of this podcast as well, but um, it stands to reason that it's actually pretty impressive that the Hawks cannot play all that well and still beat an NBA team. Greater Orlando's not playing very well right now. At the same time, though, a nice win and uh, on to New York, basically. So we'll dive in as we always do. Um, preview stuff, I won't I won't do quite as much on this podcast because I talked about this game extensively on yesterday's show. Uh, and by the way, a lot of that's still relevant because after the, pro- the preview part of that podcast yesterday, I talked about some mailbag questions that are still very much relevant. So if you missed that pod, go back and listen to that one. I hope you all enjoy it. At any rate, we'll dive in now. The Hawks still without five guys. Hunter, Gallinari, Snell, Reddish, and Dunn. In this game, Troy Young wearing goggles after his right eye was swollen after, I guess he got nicked up a little bit on Sunday, but he was able to play, obviously, and play pretty well in this game. Orlando down six guys as well, and they're obviously in rebuild mode. They traded Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, and Evan Fournier all at the deadline, so they are not very good right now. They entered at 5-21 in their last 26 games, and that's kind of indicative of where they are, um, and that was, was I think it was pretty apparent. If you, if you don't watch the whole league, you just watch the Hawks. You can probably tell in this game that Orlando was not the most talented group. They were playing some guys that should be the G League, for instance, at the end of their bench. It was not very pretty throughout this game. Um, but online, by the way, had the Hawks as 12 and a half point favorites in this game. They actually covered that spread. But uh, more interestingly, this is the largest point spread favorite the Hawks have been since November of 2016. <laughs> so, uh, you know, four and a half, nearly five years ago when they were playing the process-driven Sixers back then. Uh, so that's a long time. Obviously, the Hawks were pretty bad for part of that time, but uh, a large point spread to tell that obviously paints the picture here of what was expected in this game, and the Hawks ended up taking care of business through that lens. Um, early on, though, it wasn't great for the Hawks, actually. They opened one of four with three turnovers. The Magic led 9-2 to two and led for large portions of the first quarter. Um, the Hawks did wake up offensively, and that was kind of it from there, but they trailed 18-13. to 13. They were giving up about 1.3 points per possession to the Magic in the first five or six minutes of this game. But the Hawks did sort of close pretty well. Kevin Hur had a big first quarter. He had 10 points in about 10 minutes to give the Hawks the lead. They didn't play very well on either end of the floor, I thought, early. Um, Orlando did make some shots that they were not going to be sustainable in making. But um, still, the Hawks were just okay on offense. Ended up leading by three at the end of the first quarter, based largely on Herder being aggressive and being effective. But the defense, um, Capella was solid enough, but the perimeter defense was not great in the early going. Second quarter, though, was their best of the night overall. A 38-point explosion in the second quarter offensively. Um, Lou Williams was really good, especially in this first stint. He had had the first five points of the second quarter. He had 15 overall in his first eight minutes of play. He had the entire Orlando backcourt just kind of in jail, like completely locked up, no idea what to do, befuddled, 
whatever way you want to put that, he was dominating that matchup. Um, he was four or five from the floor and six of six in the free throw line. In fact, Lou got to the line uh, a ton in this game. In fact, he was he was fouled on three different threes in this game, so he was uh, definitely in their head and dominating his stints. Um, a 9-0 run gave the Hawks a 11-point lead that they would never lose. They continued from there, actually, a 21-4 overall run to go up by 19 late in the second quarter. They are up 17 at the half, but it was a 38-point quarter, 54% from the floor and 8-8 eight of eight from the line with four offensive rebounds and only three turnovers in the second quarter, so a pretty dominant across-the-board effort in that period. My favorite stat of this game, um, and there was a few, but my favorite one is that Orlando did not have a single offensive rebound in the entire first half. Now, that is already weird on its own. The Magic also didn't shoot the ball well. They missed 26 shots in the first half of this game, Orlando did, and the Hawks got every single rebound. That's not normal. Uh, 100% defensive rebound rate is not something that you see in full halves, especially when the, when the other team is not shooting the ball well. So the Hawks just totally dominated the glass the entire game, and especially in the first half. The Hawks, in contrast, missed 23 shots. They, they missed fewer shots than Orlando did, and they got eight offensive rebounds. So eight out of 23 versus zero out of 26 tells the story there. Extra possessions all over the place, and that helped the Hawks to sort of buoy their offense. And before halftime, four guys, Young, Williams, Herder, and Capella had 13 points or more. Capella had a double-double for halftime. Again, that's his eighth first half double-double of the season, which is just a crazy number. He was, he's was he been so, so good. And in fact, before we get to the second half of the podcast, it's time to reveal our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, and it's Clint Capella. Um, it could have been Capella quite a bit recently, honestly. It has been him before. Uh, it was Bogdanovich last time around. Troy Young could obviously win this award all the time, but Capella stands out in a big way over the last few games. It's only a three-game week for the Hawks uh, since the last time we did this, but Capella averaged 18.3 points, 19.7 rebounds, 2.3 blocks per game during the week. So obviously, you know, almost 20-20 speaks for itself. He was plus 31 combined in those three games. That includes a loss to Milwaukee, in which he was also positive, which is pretty impressive too. Um, obviously, yesterday's podcast talked about his defense extensively and how good he has been, but it's just worth repeating. He's been dominant. He's the centerpiece of what they do defensively by a wide margin. That was on full display in this game on Tuesday as well, particularly with the fact that they were holding them um, pretty much without anything at the rim for most of this game and also completely dominating the glass where he is the number one rebounder in the entire league this season. So, Clint Capella has been tremendous, and I want to shout him out as, as the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Are you happy because you win? Do you win because you're happy? 2.6 car of 95 calories only worth it if you enjoy it in the end. Joy creates success, and enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. Michelob Ultra and the Ultra Player of the Week is Clint Capella. All right, we'll dive in here to the second half of the, of the podcast and also the game itself. The third quarter was not fantastic. For the Hawks. In fact, it was disappointing, at least mildly, because, you know, this game was honestly over at the half, if we're being frank. It wasn't absolutely over. With, with, with what Orlando has, it would have taken quite a collapse for the Hawks to actually lose this game, but they tried for a little while in the third quarter. They scored 15 points in the third. They didn't score at all for the first 419 of the second half. They missed their first seven shots. They were very sluggish. The Magic, though, didn't score a ton. They only It was only a 7-0 run by Orlando. They got in the bonus, though, which definitely helped them. But um, there was a timeout pretty quickly by McMillan to get Solomon Hill out there for some extra energy. It just didn't go very well. They were very sluggish. And I think defensively, it was also kind of shaky. Um, I think not a lot of energy, not a lot of defensive effort in that period of time. And the offense was sputtering. So if it felt like to me, you never want to overstate this. I'm not, I'm not a big narrative guy all the time. But it felt like the Hawks knew this game was over. They were playing a bad team. And they just kind of coasted in this period. And it backfired on them a little bit. Uh, well, they cut the lead on a six with 3.30 to go in the third quarter. Now, obviously, the Hawks still led the entire second half, 
but it was twenty it was twenty two to eleven at one point opening the third quarter, and the Hawks led by only eight at the end, at the end of the third. So it was pretty hideous basketball. The Hawks were seven of twenty six from the floor in the third, and 0 of six from three. Orlando, to their uh, detriment, was only seven of eighteen. So they had the door open for them. They still won the quarter, but the Hawks uh, starters actually for the first time in a while, it was the starters that were ineffective in that time. Uh, usually it's the bench. At least most of the time this season, it's been the bench that's been shakier for the Hawks. In this game, it was the starters in the third quarter, and that ended up kind of biting the Hawks a little bit. Now, obviously, they were dominant from that point forward, so it wasn't like the game was ruined by that third quarter, but it was worth noting that they were pretty bad in that period. Um, in the fourth, they started off pretty well right away, got, got to lead up back to double digits pretty quickly. Collins, who sat for a long time, actually, he came out pretty early in the third and sat the entire rest of the quarter. He was refreshed and renewed in the fourth he pretty much keyed a massive run. It was 10-1 to 1 at one point to put the Hawks up by 19 at 98-79, to 79, which basically ended the game. Collins was really physical, um, setting good screens, uh, just kind of overpowering the Magic with his trademark motor that he has as well, and then had three dunks in short order. One massive one on a lob, one reverse off an offensive rebound. He was just very, very active and good. He had nine points and six rebounds in 507 in the fourth. That's all he played. It's all he needed to play, but that was a nice little uh, punctuation mark because Collins has always struggled against Orlando for whatever reason. Usually it was Jonathan Isaac and that previous crew for the Magic, but in this game, he was not great for the first three quarters, but he definitely turned it on in the fourth, and uh, that allowed the Hawks to get some garbage time in, some bench emptying down the stretch, and that was the end of that. Um, you know, <laughs> some takeaways here from this game. I will say this. Broadly speaking, the Magic, as they're constructed right now, are terrible. I don't mean to say that to pile on or be mean, but Orlando is quite bad. If you watch this game, you would probably know that, but if you just some context stuff for the NBA, like there were multiple guys that played minutes rotationally for the Magic in this game that even like a diehard does not know who they are. Um, so that tells you a little bit about this. They're obviously they're obviously banged up and trading guys at the deadline plus rebuilding. You know, they have some guys that I like. Wendell Carr Jr. is a good um, prospect still. Uh, I do like Gary Harris, who's just like a you know solid vet. But they, and Chumio Kiki, also a local product. But not a ton of talent on this Orlando team. So the Hawks need to win this game. I said that a little bit yesterday. I want to talk around. I never want to guarantee a win. But the Hawks, if they had lost this game, it would have been a terrible loss under any circumstances. That's how bad Orlando has been. Now, from there, the Hawks, you know, were okay. They weren't great in this game. But they, you know, that kind of tells you that they could just play okay with my 16 points. Uh... It tells you something about both teams. A good thing for Atlanta and bad for Orlando. Um, they didn't shoot the ball great in this game. The Hawks didn't. They were well below average from the floor, 41.5%. Um, 9 of 34 from three, which is not great either, but they got to the line a lot. 29 attempts, 25 for 29. That helped their, efficient, their, that helped their overall efficiency a little bit, but still below average, even when you factor in free throw shooting. And if you don't take, factor that in, it was even worse. Um, elsewhere, though, um, they dominated the glass. As I said before, the first half was just like an absolute domination, annihilation, whichever word you want to use there. For the full game, it was similar. Not quite as crazy, but almost. The Hawks grabbed 90% of their defensive rebounds in this game. Only five offensive rebounds for the entire game for Orlando on 50 missed shots, which is just a ridiculously low figure. And credit to the Hawks, Capella, Collins, um, Solomon Hill, all the guys who rebounded very well on the defensive glass in this game. Offensive glass, Hawks also won this one predominantly. They grabbed 18 of their um, 
55 misses, which is a good ratio, about 33% or so, something like that. And about, about a third, that's pretty dominant as well. Capella was the biggest guy there, but Congo had three offensive rebounds. Collins had five offensive rebounds. Um, Trey Young had three offensive rebounds. So they were pretty, uh, pretty active and impressive there, getting the extra possessions. That allowed the Hawks to attempt 10 more field goals in this game despite turning the ball over four more times than Orlando. That's a good way to uh, sort of trick the math in your favor when you're, you're, you're just taking more shots than the opponent. That's always a good sign. Um, only 19 assists for the Hawks in this game on 39 field goals, which is below their average for sure. Not a great passing game. Trey had some nice looks, as he often, I would say always does. But other than that, it wasn't a whole lot of ball movement in this game. Just kind of some stagnation overall. Again, it wasn't their best, but even then... The Hawks scored at about 1.12 points per possession, which is about their average for the season. A little bit below um, where they would want to be against a pretty bad Orlando defense, but a solid enough scoring mark. Defensively, they held the Magic to under a point per possession. Again, part of that is the Magic just being bad. They were 8 of 36 from 3. They don't have any shot creation. But the Hawks did a pretty good job after the... I would say there, there were probably two swoons in this game. Uh, the first three minutes of the game and the beginning of the third quarter. Everything else was totally fine defensively. Capella was awesome. Um, and, you know, even the bench was pretty good for the most part. So, overall, a nice performance for Atlanta. They did enough to win. That's all they needed to do in this spot. And we'll leave it there for now. Before we get to the rest of the podcast and the individual breakdowns, etc., a word from our sponsors on today's show, and the first of which is Built Bar. Built Bar is spectacular, and if anything, it's more delicious than ever. Built Bar has a ton of amazing flavors that we've been talking about for quite some time on the podcast. That includes options with or without nuts, and it also features some of my personal favorites like lemon almond cheesecake and cookies and cream. Each and every bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're also soft and easy to chew, making the entire experience all that much better. And Built Bar is also great if you're trying to be health conscious, you can maintain or even lose weight while enjoying something that tastes absolutely incredible. Built Bar is also low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and Built Bar is even great for the keto diet. My personal favorite, as I said a number of times, is cookies and cream, and the profile there from the health perspective is awesome. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. It is a fantastic time to check out BuiltBar.com. Yes, that's BuiltBar.com. If you go there right now, you have 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15. If you use that promo code, once again, it's LOCKED15. That's 15% off on your next order with BuiltBar.com. Check it all out. There's plenty to check out at BuiltBar.com, and I recommend all the flavors. You can find it all at BuiltBar.com, and you can try Built Bar today. One more time, promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's show is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football is not happening right now, and I understand that's a lot of people's favorite thing to bet on in the sports world, but there are plenty of other options, including the NBA, of course. You have the NHL, auto racing, golf, tennis, MMA, college sports, everything you can imagine you can find it at betonline.ag. And BetOnline even covers awards, entertainment bets, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline also has real-time updated odds and all kinds of props on almost anything you can imagine. Props are really fun to get into the sports betting world if you've not tried it before. And on top of that, BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and the odds that you need. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website now at betonline.ag or use mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. That is 50% and a welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
All right, we'll close the show now with some individual breakdowns and uh, a little bit of a, of a breezier episode today because considering the ugly nature of the game and the back-to-back and all that stuff, so my apologies on the short episode, but we're due for one of these every once in a while. Um, on the bench, uh, really, you know, there was still a nightmare rotation for the most part. Um, four guys off the bench that played. Um, Lou Williams was the only guy who made a huge impact, so we'll start there on the positive side. Lou had 22 points. His That's his highest point total with the Hawks uh, since he returned. He got fouled on three different three-point attempts. He was 8 of 9 from the free-throw line. Wasn't great from the field, 6 of 14 and 2, two of 7 from 3, but doesn't need to be if he's going to get to the line like that. So he was very effective overall. Four turnovers is a little bit too many, but he was plus 22. That tells the story a little bit about the way that he played. And as I said before, they just had no answers at all against, against Lou. So when he has it going like that, it's fun to watch. And we saw a little bit of that in this game. I thought Goodwin was pretty solid. Seven points, three assists, five rebounds, plus 11 in 17 minutes. He wasn't spectacular, but he, I thought he was pretty good. Good good defense. I like to see him uh, get a little bit more deployment almost at times with their current alignment of uh, who they have available. But I thought he was totally fine in this game. Solomon Hill, um, a very Solomon Hill game. This is only two shots offensively. we got six, six defensive rebounds, two assists, but good defense. He came in for John and played a lot in the third quarter, and I think effectively um, during uh, when, when the Hawks were kind of wavering defensively, he kind of stabilized things a little bit there. Um, plus 14, it was not great. It was not bad. It was very Solomon Hill. And then Kongwu, 16 minutes, did not score, but had five rebounds, three offensive, two rebounds on the defensive side, had a steal, was plus eight. Offensively, not a ton going on there. Some uh, kind of weird screen setting from Okongwu at times, but I thought defensively he was pretty good in the right place at the right time and uh, a solid enough effort from the rookie. And then Mays, Fernando, and Knight got it at the very end. It was the uh, the coveted Knight, Fernando, Okongwu front court. Always enjoy that one in garbage time with the three bigs on the floor together, but other than that, nothing else to really add other than Skyler makes up the line four times in three minutes. So there you go. Um, two starters, all five guys. Um, scored double figures, also joined by Lou, of course. So six guys overall in double figures in this game for Atlanta. Um, we'll start with we'll start with we'll start with the wings who have been hot recently. They were both okay, but not great in this game. Kevin Herter, 15 points, 10 in the first quarter, so he cooled off from there. Three steals though, two rebounds, two assists, plus four at five fouls. I'm shot at okay, 6 of 14 from the floor, and 3 of 8 from 3. Not spectacular, but kind of just a solid enough game. But they definitely needed his offense early on to stabilize things, so he was just fine. Bogdanovich finally had sort of a shakier shooting night. He was due for one of these eventually. 6 of 16, six of 16 from the floor, 2 of 7 from 3. So he's still shooting a bazillion percent in April from 3, but he was uh, probably due for one of these, obviously. 14 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. Still made a couple big shots, was plus 8 actually, was totally fine. Um... Collins, as I said before, was with a fourth quarter story, 9.6 rebounds in the fourth, had a double-double with 11 and 14, had a block, two assists, only 4-10 from the floor, 0-3 from three. I was actually making some notes about how little he was being used in the first three quarters, and that kind of erased it a little bit in the fourth, but even then, they did not go to Collins a lot in this game. It was kind of weird how quiet he was offensively, not by his own doing, just kind of didn't have the opportunities, wasn't getting the ball at the right spots, so uh, obviously he's, he missed some time, he's getting more, re- more reintegrated now at this point. But uh, that'll be something to circle um, for Wednesday and beyond. Just, I, I want to see Collins have a little bit more usage offensively. And then uh, Trey Young was good in this game. 25 points, 7 assists, a steal, 5 rebounds, plus 7. 5 turnovers, which is you know, which is not uh, not great, but not terrible either. Got to the line for 10 attempts. Um, wasn't super efficient from the floor. 7-16 um, from the floor. 2-5 from 3 is fine, is fine obviously. But uh, just sort of a solid game for Trey. He tried to, he tried to take some char- some charges, had some up and down moments offensively at, at times. But even then, it was sort of like a C plus game for him, and he still rolls out of bed with 20, 25 and seven. So it was like he was totally fine. Thirty two minutes. That's what something I want to def- make sure I mention now is that the Hawks. It's a nice thing because the Hawks' schedule coming up is brutal, 
in terms of just duration. They have three back-to-backs in a period of, you know, 13, 14 days. It's just crazy how this schedule is about to run for Atlanta beginning tonight. And obviously getting Orlando is a nice way to start it off, but now they have to travel to New York and all that stuff. But nobody played more than 32 minutes. That's a big thing especially with a big game on Wednesday, and that applies to all these starters. And Capella, who we'll save for last, 27 minutes, so they definitely kept his usage under wraps. 14 points, 19 rebounds, 2 blocks. As I said before, the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, and he's earned it. He was efficient from the floor offensively, defensively dominant, 2 blocks, you know, only plus 1, which is kind of weird, but I thought he was quite good, once again. And, uh, you know, all the defensive accolades you want to give him, he has earned all of those. Okay, before we get out of here, some standings talk now. The Hawks are now 32 and 26, which is again very, very impressive. Um, the Knicks won tonight over the Hornets. That was the only game that was like of direct relevance to Atlanta in the standings tonight, other than the Hawks game itself. Um, Brooklyn ended up winning on the road against the Pelicans, and Brooklyn's got some injury stuff right now. If you're looking ahead to the playoff, potentially, uh, the Nets playing without James Harden for a while. Anyway, though, um, the Hawks now lead the Knicks by a half game, so the number four spot will be dictated by what happens on Wednesday in New York. Um, then they're also a game ahead of Boston, two ahead of Miami, and three and a half ahead of Charlotte. So we're in that point now where I have a hard time, as I said yesterday on the podcast, I have a hard time seeing the Hawks fall below eight, and even then, falling below seven now seems pretty unlikely, given another win and another Hornets loss. So, you know, three and a half games with... Um, 14 to go is not impossible to lose, but the Hawks with their schedule, they have to really flop here. So I think um, adjusting a little bit from even for, even from yesterday, I think number seven feels like the realistic baseline of a floor right now, whereas obviously looking at the four seed as what they want and their position to do that. So uh, a great spot for Atlanta overall. As I said before, the Hawks go to New York now on a back-to-back, a tough spot schedule-wise. That is for sure. The Knicks, though, did play tonight, but they don't have to travel. They played at home, so that's still an advantage for them. It's a back-to-back, which definitely helps to balance the scales a little bit, but no travel versus the Hawks having to go late night into New York. It's an 8 o'clock tip, by the way, because of the back-to-back, so circle that as well. But that's a showdown in a lot of ways between two interesting teams. The Knicks are red hot right now. They've won seven in a row. So, uh, you know, and also early in the season, the Knicks have kind of had the Hawks number a little bit anyway. Like I've heard some, for some people recently, I think I mentioned last night on the podcast that I would rather play um, the Celtics for instance, sorry, rather rather play the Knicks than the Celtics for instance. And I got some pushback, not that um, they were saying I was crazy, but just that, you know, the Knicks have played the Hawks um, very well. So the Hawks lost in New York, February 15th by 11 points. And they lost at home in January by five. So they're 0-2 against the Knicks this year. Does that really matter a lot to me? No, but the Knicks are good defensively. They play very hard. They're well coached. Julius Randle's been out of his mind recently. RJ Barrett's coming along. So the Knicks are a real team. I know it's kind of weird from years past, but the Knicks are playing well right now. That's definitely a losable game. In fact, I think the Hawks might be the underdog in the betting market in this game. I'm not 100% sure right now. That's not come out at this point in time. But because of all the injuries the Hawks have, you could argue that you know the Knicks are healthier for sure and they're playing at home. So circle that one. At any rate... A fun game coming up. I'll have a podcast after the game on Wednesday night into Thursday. But uh, that's it for today's podcast. Uh, My apologies again for the slightly shorter episode, but we still stretch it out a little bit here at the end. Um, Please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell your friends about the show as well. Leave a five-star rating if you enjoy the program. Follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter at BTRoland. And we'll see you after the game on Wednesday night.